Everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. 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 This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. Big Dave here, but no Joe today. Uh, Joe is uh, off from the show today. I do have a very special guest, though, good friend Corey Zeidman, who's been on the show with us many times. Uh, Bracelet winner at the World Series of Poker. Uh, I'll bring him in right from the top and just to comment, Corey, on can you believe that was nine years ago? Oh, wow, you're rubbing in right out of the the box. (laughs) Well, that was my first time ever at the series. We got to know each other there at your yeah. at your uh, final table, and uh, for years since then, you know, our our uh, kind of relationship with both being writers and and uh, being on the air. And you've been with me many times here on the show, and I appreciate you coming back again. But uh, you know, it's got nothing to do with age. It's got to do with uh, experience you packed in over the years. Yeah, they they wish you get older. They talk about good experience, I guess. I give it. But uh, yeah, no, uh, it, getting to know you better was certainly an added bonus. Uh, it's been a pleasure knowing you and being on your show. You're always so professional and and entertaining, and uh, happy to be on and uh, talk to the people. And uh, you know, it's poker is bigger and bigger. I mean, it's incredible. They said it was. It was supposed to be like the hula hoop or something. I mean, poker is just bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. Speaking of that, the uh, Seminole Hard Rock uh, just hosting a really huge series right on the heels of uh, the series out at the Rio and the WSOP. So we'll talk a little bit about that right here up front. But I do want to just say, uh, you know, you are really the first person I'm talking to. And this is surprising because I often have a lot of guests, but it's been tough lately to get people on. But you're the first person that actually played at the World Series of Poker this year. And uh, I really haven't heard some firsthand accounts of, of how it went. Were you impressed at the way they ran things? Well, you might not have read about this, but I won 10 bracelets this year. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that Don't on the, uh, what you read in the papers. <laughs> I didn't see that on Global Poker Index. Yeah, you must have had a malfunction or something oh, okay. like that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, uh, we're all the whole world's recovering, obviously, from uh, what's going on and whatnot. And but I mean, the turnout of the events was, you know, 20, pretty consistently 20 to 25 percent down. Right. uh, Which is is not bad at all in in actuality, because it was a certainly a a bit of an unknown of what the turnout was going to be, especially, you know, Europeans coming into the country and you know, locals. And there was, you know, there was rules in place, you know, vaccination rules and whatnot. And, you know, so question marks, but listen, it was business as usual. I wasn't out there for most of it for a couple of weeks though, and enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, I wish I would have done better. Certainly I was only in a handful of events, had to get back in town to South Florida on, on business stuff. But, uh, you know, it was exciting. You know, it's always, look, the world series has that glamor has, you know, it, there's nothing like the World Series of Poker, let's face it. Yeah, no uh, question. No it, question. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I had some good friends do really well there. and You know, uh, but uh, look, I, I wish I would have done better. But look, I mean, Helmuth is kicking butt. Unbelievable how well he did. I uh, had a good friend, Jake Schwartz, who was the uh, player of the year leader for a good percentage of the tournament. Had a few other friends make numerous final tables and... Uh, you know, the World Series. I mean, I think they should have a World Series at the Hard Rock, like half a year there, half hey, a year here. You know, that hey, kind of thing. we might get to that someday. Who knows? Uh, what is your what is your uh, friendship like with Phil? Uh, Helmuth, actually, uh, him and I had reason to talk. I won't get into all the reasons why uh, this over the past year, a few times. Uh, I'm actually involved in a project with him, which maybe we'll talk about it on another show. So Phil and I, Phil has never been more popular. Just as they say, just ask him. He'll tell you. Uh, <laughs> uh, his, his ego is definitely on uh, the highest setting. And look, he backed it up. You know, proof isn't seeing it happen. But him and I are actually involved in, uh, in a minor partnership in a poker project together. Uh, so him and I had reason to talk, uh, just me and him, uh, a handful of times this year. 
but he's involved with so many different things. I mean, yeah, people yeah. contact him from everywhere. His star is on the rise. So he can't be yeah, any no bigger. He, you know, he, you know, he, uh, if you're trying to build a brand, uh, you know, he could talk certainly about that. I mean, he's had his books and his positivity thing and all that stuff, but to be honest, uh, you know, when you are popular and polarizing, you have a chance to build your brand, and he did it by playing these head-to-head matches, which he did very well in. And uh, now, every time his name comes up, someone calls him the GOAT, so the greatest of all time. And I'm not sure that's true, but uh, hey, uh, you know, he's certainly done a good job of self-promotion. Well, you know, you've brought up a really good point, Dave. Uh, first of all, let's face it, you know, to be the greatest of all time is kind of no such thing these days. I mean... You know, there's so many great players, but he, if anyone has deserved it and those heads up matches, I actually spoke to him on and off during that stuff. Unbelievable what he did. I mean, to win six consecutive matches against Antonio and then Daniel. I mean, that's incredible. It was right, six and right. out, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I mean, and then, then he beat that radio guy and then he uh, played yeah. Tom, Tom Dewan and finally lost. Yeah, I mean, and that could have went either way, but you, you know, you can't win every match. What he winning six in a row, or, or actually, you're right, he beat that guy Nick Wright, uh, who, you know, whatever. It's hard to beat any, to win that many matches in a row against just about any kind of competition that's reasonable. Certainly against, uh, he really shut them up because yeah. those guys don't give him the proper respect. It is what it is. They don't. Uh, they talk down to him almost, and like he. You know, they make a joke out of him in some ways. And I don't think that's right. And uh, I know Phil, I spoke to a bit. We actually talked on the phone during uh, the Daniel stuff. uh, Or might have been right before the first match. You know, it was a while ago. Uh, I, you know, Phil is very fair about his assessments. Let me say that when it comes to the treatment that people give him. Okay. I mean, he talks about himself as, you know, there's nothing wrong with being very confident and cocky about yourself. Right. Uh, certainly he's earned it. I mean, look at this. I mean, he's doing incredible things, but I even said to him uh, some things about, I didn't think it was right the way Daniel was talking about uh, him in certain ways. And uh, he was very fair. I mean, he didn't just jump on that. You know, he thought in some ways, Daniel, uh, wasn't being as disrespectful as I actually thought he was being. And, uh, you know, Phil earns the respect. And if anyone has to be labeled greatest of all time at this point, uh, it certainly would be him. Right. Well, I want to talk about your game a little bit for a minute before uh, we get into a few other things. But uh, uh, as far as the series goes, I just wanted to ask you this. Was there there was a lot of concern about, you know, the mask mandates and they were dropped, sure. but you still had to be vaccinated. Was uh, were people uh, misbehaving at all as far as covid goes out there? Yeah, you know, it, first of all, a lot of people voluntarily were wearing masks at the table anyway. Right. Okay, and the dealers had to wear the mask. Uh, there was, you know, some dealers were enforcing, uh, you know, different things. And, and, and you know, the, the, it wasn't really a major topic of discussion, quite right. frankly, where it was impactful. Just the people that were there obviously were saying, you know, throw caution to the wind. Now I'm going to play. I'm vaccinated. Everyone who played obviously was vaccinated. Uh, supposed to be, I believe their check system was what it was. Uh, I actually spoke to uh, Jack Effel a couple of times before the series on another issue, which we'll talk about uh, later on, you know, concerning uh, steps that they could take at the World Series to right. ensure player safety. Right. Uh, so him and I had that discussions and whatnot. Uh, but, you know, they did everything they could within reason. Uh, there was a lot more they certainly could do. But look, we see the series is moving to Bally's uh, next year. Yeah, Bally's in so, Paris. Yeah, which I, I'm i happy about that. I think just about everybody's probably. No one no one wants to stay at the Rio. You right, know? right. Well, uh, you, 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 so, mentioned, you mentioned dealers. I, I wanted, That was one of my major questions for you was, 
there was a lot of concern heading into the series that there wouldn't be enough dealers and that the ones that they were able to line up were very it would be very inexperienced and not very good frankly uh what did you what is your outlook on how they dealt with the guys who pitched the cards you know i was you know i play in a lot of mixed types events uh, right. and they seem to you know, I got to look, I'm, I'm someone that is critical, as you know, at times I call it what it is. I'm not afraid to <laughs> understatement. Right. Right. But uh, I got to give them credit because most of the most of the dealers in the with the mixed events were solid. More than I was pleasantly surprised. Just, just being did they honest. have enough? Did they have enough? Because there were, you yeah, say no, they, they had they were, a... the attendance was down 25 percent in that ballpark. So maybe they didn't yeah. need quite as many as they thought they were going to. But they never had That's a situation correct where they had to cut the fields or, or anything like that? They neglected the cash game. The, look, the cash games were down drastic at the okay. Rio, like, like night and day. Okay. So, uh, that, you know, they, they didn't need a ton of dealers. The cash games were basically dead at the Rio. I mean, uh -huh. really, really destroyed. Yeah. It was, it was, I don't know. I would say cash games would probably down somewhere around 75%. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Huge, huge yeah. loss of revenue. Huge, huge loss. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was the games that were mainstays at the uh, series in the past didn't exist. Yeah. You know, yeah. it, uh, I can imagine. I can it was, yeah. You know, they make so much money. They could make so much more too, if they were more efficient, they really could just obvious things. Uh, but I guess, uh, you know, they do what they do. What was know? the general uh, feel about playing in the, uh, in the fall instead of the summer? People loved it. You know, yeah. the weather was so much better. Wasn't I mean, 116 degrees every there. day. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. Fact, you know, I mean, just going outside. I mean, you can't, you know, they have a captive audience in the past because you're in the middle of summer. So no one wants to go outside, but now at least people could go outside and get some air and, you know, it was beautiful out, you know, it was nice. It was, it was a better time of year, certainly. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, they're well, switching it back, I think. Right. Yeah. It is going back to the regular time and it will be at uh, Bally's in Paris next year in beginning at the end yeah. of May. Uh, Corey, yeah. for those of you who don't know, Corey, um, uh, having listened to the show over the years when he's been on with me, he of course won that bracelet uh, in, in seven card stud and high low. Was it high low? Yeah, high low. Okay, yeah, seven, seven card, card stud, stud high low. I remember it was real early in the series. It was like event number four mm -hmm. that year in 2012, yeah. and I had gone out for the early early part of the series that year. So uh, I got a chance to see that firsthand. But over the years, you've been an expert on mainly stud, I think, but all mixed games. And I know you branched out mm -hmm. a little bit in some of those. Uh, you had yeah. two caches this year. Uh, you had 61st in the uh, eight-game mix, six-handed, uh, then number mm -hmm. 23. And then you had uh, 25th place, a little bit deeper, in the limit do seven low ball triple draw tournament mm -hmm. for a total yeah. of about $5,500, which, you know, to the average player who doesn't uh, deal in those kind of games would say, hey, that's pretty good. But for you, I know it was a big disappointment. Yeah, yeah, definitely a disappointment. And that, and that's... Uh, Deuce to seven triple draw where I finished 25th uh, late in it. I, I, for those who know what triple draw is, I made it. I, 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 I had a one card draw on the first draw to a, to a seven and made it on the first draw against a two card draw and a three card draw. So I made a number three, which is the third best possible hand. You can have a seven, six, five, three, two. And, uh, I lost on the river to a guy making a wheel. You know, a guy two card yeah. draw, one card, bang. I mean, that was brutal. The pots are so huge at that point. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that was that was the key to me getting the boot. Actually, one of the guys that damaged me that was in that hand with me and didn't win that hand ended up winning the tournament. Uh, the other Dave Baker. Uh, oh, uh, David. They call uh, him Bakes. Bakes. Bakes, right? The younger yeah. one. Yes. Outstanding player, by the yeah, way. Yeah, he is. So, he is, you know, sure. having someone like that win, you know, when you see someone like that, when you're like, wow, he earned it, you know, he, yeah. he's really that good. Uh, great player. And, uh, you know, you like to see great players win. And, uh, you know, certainly uh, events like that, there's a lot of bluffing in events like that because all the cards are down. So position, playing position and picking your spots and, 
you know, maybe you see three deuces in your hand during the deal. So you decide to pat with a poor hand in position because you figure the other person's draw isn't very strong right. and you represented a strong hand early. Uh, you know, setting up bluffs early in the hand is, is really the only way to bluff successfully for the most part. And, uh, but, you know, smelling out bluffs is, is a big part of the game. And yeah. I'm sure, you know, some of the, some of the different events that were maybe watched by people on live stream, they see how prevalent that is in these different mixed events. I love mixed poker. It's so yeah, I, I know you do. And, uh, we've talked about it over the years that we thought it was growing and then it wasn't growing. And then what, what is the status right now in your mind about mixed games? No, it's definitely growing. It's definitely, uh, more people, you know, people ask me about it when I'm there. Uh, you know, they'll be like, you know, I don't want to, you know, they, they only know a couple. They're like afraid to take the plunge. Uh, but, you know, it seems like the interest is growing to me. Maybe I'm wrong. But again, the numbers were down this year, but that's because of the pandemic. So I think next year you'll probably get a better indication. You know, God willing, there won't be uh, any negative events in the world and things will be in a positive flow. Everyone, uh, you know, could forget about all the negative from the past and everyone can get on with their life right. in, a, in a good way, you know, right. but I mean, Nick's poker is, I mean, look, everyone's going to always play Hold'em. Okay. I mean, two cards, the average guy, you know, can certainly play and, you know, take shots and get lucky and, you know, get dealt big hands and, you know, maybe win a big tournament, you know, once in, you know, that's like a huge happening, of course. And Omaha, of course, takes it to the next level with the four cards, more interesting, but more intricate. So, right. you know, people taking that plunge, it's, it's, it's tougher for them, you know, to learn. But uh, I, I, I sense there's more interest in mixed games. And, well, well, you know, and, the, you know, the grinder. Well, he plays in some of your games at yeah. times. And, uh, sure. you know, obviously he's had the tremendous success in the eight game mix uh, for the $50,000 Poker Players Championship. But there are guys that are playing a lot of mixed games now that maybe a few years ago would never seen them. Guys like, uh, well, I, I hope I have this right, but guys like Alex Foxen and, and a few of those yeah. players. Uh, Chidwick is another who has really mm -hmm. branched out into a lot of those games and are doing very well. And I think they love the variety of playing the different games. They do. I, I mean, look, you know, keeping your interest going and, it, you know, your mind stimulated and well, I'm not saying it's boring playing the other games, but playing when, once you've played and what's prevalent is people will say, you know, once they start to play like an eight game mix, going back to playing just one game is very difficult. Uh, you named a few outstanding, obviously, Hold'em players and Omaha players. One that comes to mind, I remember, I would say, three, four years ago, a guy like Brian Rast. Yeah. Uh, I was playing uh, some mixed games with him, and he was a total beginner. And But right away, I noticed, and I, I spoke to him at this series. We sat next to each other, and we had a good conversation. And I complimented him. Uh, he was, you know, because, you know, we all talk. A lot of the high limit mixed players and whatnot, you know, we have these conversations and we rip on each other. We make fun of each other. You know, it's, it's just part of it. No one takes it personally, except maybe Helmuth. <laughs> you know, he <laughs> takes everything seriously like that. But uh, Rast was very creative right when he was learning mixed games. And I said to him, you know, I noticed, and now he's one of the best mixed players you'll see. Yeah. I don't know what he finished at. Uh, I know he, he won one tournament, I know. He won, a, he won a high roller recently I, that I remember. Yeah, but I think he did well in a few of the mixed events at the series. I, I'm not really sure, but I believe so. Right. Uh, but, you know, being creative, and when I say being creative, you know, there's ABC poker, you know, playing by the book, you know, only doing certain things. That's the norm. You know, like a guy like Phil Helmuth, even in a game like Hold'em, was very innovative with certain moves he would make at the table. And I noticed it when playing with someone like Phil, for, for instance, just to use an example, and this was, this is a Phil, Hel uh, Phil Ivy. Did I say helmet? I meant Phil Ivy. Phil Ivy. Okay. Uh, yeah. I was at, I, when, in my early years of playing no limit, Hold'em. uh, in fact, I, I was at my first, uh, main event of no limit in 2003, which I was fortunate enough to finish 39th, the year moneymaker one, uh, I was at the table with Ivy and I know like, for instance, when a flop comes seven, nine, nine, for right. instance, there's a paired board on the flop. 
if you have a nine in your hand, the standard would be everyone would always check the flop with if they flopped a set like that because they don't want to scare people out. They want to make the most of it. Ivy was the only person I noticed that when he would hit the flop like that, he would lead out because no one would ever expect someone to bet if they hit a set like that on the flop. Right. Be a contrarian. Exactly. Be a contrarian. So people would come after it figuring, well, I know he doesn't have three nines in this spot or else he wouldn't bet. And I use that to my advantage at times, that type of contrarian style where everyone is, is pretty much the same, how they play certain situations, but a guy like Rask that's being creative, you know, doing something different than the norm, contrarian, as you said, and it's helped me tremendously in spots. You really capitalize because people don't think, certainly someone like me, Ivy, maybe they'll be a little suspicious. Someone like me, they would think, oh, the guy, ABC type poker, you know, surprise, surprise. And it helps me in mix and it helps me in, you know, in, in all kinds of games. It, right. it really does. Being being against the flow is a good thing. Uh, just looking quickly at Rass's record this summer, uh, he did win a tournament. He won a bracelet in six-handed uh, no limit hold'em. So that was the three thousand okay. dollar buy-in. So he won four hundred seventy-four thousand. That's uh, may get you real healthy right <laughs> away. Uh, yeah. He also finished seventeenth in Raz, the big ten thousand dollar Raz tournament. So okay. uh, that was right. a good one for him as well. Anyway, yeah. um, so really a successful tournament, and um, you know we didn't hear about the problems that we thought headed in. I think uh, you have to really give the WSOP a pat on the back for for pulling it off. I agree. No, look, they do a, it's not easy. And they have a lot of people bitching and moaning, but certainly there's some areas they could uh, improve on, but that's always the case. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, you know, we were making suggestions, uh, you know, they, they listen because they know the players know best. I mean, someone like Alan Kessler, okay. Who's a friend of mine. He's a nice guy, Alan. He, yeah. you know, the boy that cried wolf, yeah. you know, he compl- he tries to help poker. You know that, so he gets a lot of criticism that he doesn't deserve. Right. Uh, but uh, you know, he would you know come and bring things up to me as well because he he would want it because he knows I'm I, I am fair and impartial. I I want what's best like he does, but sometimes he even questions himself because he right. criticizes so often. Right. Well, he is you very know, thoughtful so. about the game. It's a he's a, definitely yeah. a credit to the game, even though he can be a bit of. Yeah. A- cry baby <laughs> yes i i think he is a big benefit to the game and uh he certainly means well sometimes he takes it too far right but uh like there was one of the big problems they have is you know i mentioned to you off air a little bit there's a lot of players now who don't show for events on time and it's an epidemic right now yeah. and you'll see it's gonna it's getting worse and worse and a lot of players aren't happy about it because for instance let's say you show up at an event on time and the players that are prevalent to show up at an event on time are mostly amateurs. Right. Okay. So let's say you're at a table, like me and John, Miami John Chinuto, we're, we're at a table together and we loved it. We were at the table on time. And the other players at the table, the other six players, were all amateurs. But now other players start showing up. So what they do is they keep plucking players from your table. So players you have who you're happy you're playing with now because people are showing up late, they're building new tables constantly. So we had taken from our table like seven, and they keep filling into your table too. So they're taking out a total amateur and they're filling in your table with a pro a lot of times. So it is upsetting and it really isn't fair. And there was a lot of complaining about that at the series this year. And I did give them some ideas. And, uh, you know, I, I know who the guys who make decisions are, and they do respect some of the things that I have to say, surprisingly. Uh, but I was mentioning to them that maybe a way to get people to show up on time and it wouldn't cost them any money would be to give a chip incentive. For instance, show up on time, you get an extra right. 10% on your chip stack. Right. You know, things along those lines. Yeah. But uh, Will that you know, ever change, you think? I think they have to. I'm telling you, people were not happy. There was a lot of bitching and moaning about it this year, more than ever before. It was nonstop complaining about it from people who come year after year after year. You know, it it wasn't just the Alan Kessler's complaining about it. And he was very vocal about it. But again, it falls on deaf ears after a while because they expect them to complain. But a lot of, you know, regulars and a lot of guys who have a voice were starting to really get upset about it because... 
you know, you, you, you're learning how people at your table are playing, and that's a big part of the game, and then they're gone. Right. You know, so it's, yeah. it's hardly fair. Or then you get plucked out of the table, and they take you to a table where they just put another six pros. Where you, you know, got to so sit in between the grinder and his brother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a tough table. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, uh, I do want to yeah. make a transition here. You didn't play in the uh, Rock and Roll Poker Open because you told me you were pretty busy, but they just completed that tournament, and they did huge numbers. The opening event was like almost 6,200 players. Uh, wow. They did a wow. prize pool for the main event of over $5 million. The guarantee was only $2 million. They did over $5 million. There was uh, 1300 That's incredible. That's it was incredible. a huge, huge field in, in several of the things. But the thing that impressed me the most, and I spent several days out there, but you know the, the big-name players, first of all, Ali M. Sarovich, who has really become one of the major top players in the world. Yeah. Uh, he won the High Roller, which was a huge event. And all big names like Chidwick and Fox and some of them I mentioned earlier were all there. Mm -hmm. Kristen Bicknell went very deep in a couple wow. of times. Wow, wow. So those, those were all good. But the thing that impressed me the most was that the main event champion, Karai Aldemir, on the okay. heels of winning $8 million – Five days later, showed up at the Hard Rock to play in the main. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that does say a lot. Sure. I mean, this guy you could know? have gone back and gone on the beach. I think he lives in Austria now. He could have gone home and just, but he stopped in South Florida on the way back to Europe, I'm sure, uh, was headed back. Wow, there. I didn't know that. Late. Yeah, it was pretty incredible. And and he yeah, came in pretty deep in several of the big tournaments. So uh, the, the name recognition value in that event was so high this year. It was unbelievable. Well, you know, this is a great venue. The Hard Rock, you got to give them a lot of credit. Tony Burns over there is a good friend of mine. Absolutely. He, you know, they really take this so seriously. They they want to put out the best product possible. You know, Matt's also a good savage, is a good friend. And Tony, I know for a long, long time. I love him and his family. Uh, you know, these are good people, and they really care about putting out a great product. And look at the venue. I mean, what a great hotel. The surrounding areas, you know, the restaurants, the pools, the beaches. That's why I say they should really have a, you know, major a, a series. something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, a series, a World Series. If they want to have the series in May, June, July in Vegas, you know, have it the uh, the opposite here. Have it in, you know, November, December, whatever. I, I don't know why they're not. I mean, they have enough series and they make a ton of money, obviously. Right, so right. And maybe they don't feel a need, but. Uh, could you imagine? Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, incredible. how much bigger could it be, though? Right? No, absolutely. I, mean, uh, I, I misspoke on the number of entries there. Actually, the main event was 1,566. And to put that into context, uh, they've had this tournament, uh, uh, you know, has been under 1,000 for four consecutive years, including 2019, the last live one, did 988. And this year they did 1566. So pretty incredible. Wow, that's a huge difference. That is yeah. incredible. That you know, people with the pandemic, they're starving to play now. You know, the people yeah, no, you know, Americans, you know, everyone wants to get back to their life. Obviously very frustrating. And uh yeah, I mean that's great. That's great for poker. And uh I hope that these venues don't lose sight of what's best for the player, certainly. I always feel they could do more. You know, I, I think the players deserve it. They pay a lot of money. Uh, that's what makes it, you know. Uh, you know, so, you know, these casinos make a fortune. I think the players, I really think they should, look, they always try and figure out ways to make more money, which is understandable. It's a business. But I think that every year they should try and figure out a way, what else can we do for the players? And maybe they do at the Hard Rock. I wouldn't be surprised if they do because – they do care. I know, I know that they care. So Absolutely. And they, they, that, they, they worked very hard on that uh, safe and sound program as far as, uh, you know, trying to keep the place super clean and, and giving people confidence in the fact that, that they weren't in danger of, of having COVID. Of course, nobody hardly wears a mask there anymore uh, outside mm -hmm. of the, some of the staff and players and stuff. But, uh, you know. Uh, and obviously there's a, there's a huge difference in different regions of the country, but uh, you know, they got hit hard because they had just opened the, the guitar hotel not too long beforehand. And yeah. uh, all of a sudden they got no poker. They got nothing uh, for a while there and, but they survived it and they moved on. 
Yeah, I mean, look, they're certainly trying to do their best to make people feel secure. You and I will discuss it later on. There's a lot more that can be done. Right. I mean, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that. Uh, there's so much more, and society is going to see it more and more because all these big companies and in every – they're called different verticals, all different walks of life, businesses, restaurants, casinos – uh, medical offices, you name it. Uh, this country is going to have to deal with the reality of what's going on in the world yeah, right now. For sure, for sure. And we, we might be dealing with this for the rest of our lives. Yeah, you, mean, you, you have to prepare yourself way. for that, for sure. Uh, speaking of the difference between regions and stuff, uh, you know, obviously the Hard Rock has been open for quite some time, uh, you know, since COVID and uh, done a great job. But I just noticed that uh, a huge, uh, you know, venue up in the Northeast, uh, Encore Boston Harbor, which uh, had a huge opening. They had 74 tables. They're finally going to open. They've been closed since COVID. So they've been closed about two years almost now. They are opening in February for the first time in two years with 12 tables. You know, I've, I've played there. I visited them there. I knew the guy that run the place as it so happens. I have friends up there. They have a great poker room over there. But You're it's going to be the, uh, the win. The win, the win Encore Boston Harbor, yeah. but it's going to be yeah. tiny yeah. now. Sit 12 tables compared to the 74 they had when you probably showed up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Gary Haber, the guy that ran the uh, poker room at the win, he's a real good guy, really cares about players. He now runs Resort World, the poker room there. Because okay. him and I have talked in the last year several times, actually. Uh, uh, they ran a great poker room at that place. What a facility. And, yes, the place was hopping. And I was told – this is the first I'm hearing from you uh, that they're actually opening. I was told that they will never open again. That they they were didn't want to. They didn't want to, the story goes, is that uh, they were going to put it in the past – but the gaming commission, the Massachusetts gaming commission, was on their back day and night to get that place reopened again. So uh, they compromised by to saying, "To get the poker okay. room open, you're saying? You mean you mean the poker yeah, room? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's probably why it's only twelve tables. They probably aren't. They probably really didn't want to do it. They probably didn't. Um, and it, and again, they were doing great. The poker room. I don't understand what that logic is. The location isn't the greatest there. But, I lived. Uh, I lived in Everett for uh, for two years in the mid nineties. Oh, so, so you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's a it's quite a facility. Obviously, Win Properties, uh, you know, are always done first class. Uh, you know, all, all the restaurants are pretty upscale there, which was a bit of a negative. You know, a lot of poker guys they just want to go grab something to eat. Uh, but uh, it was a great poker room. It was it was it was big and busy. <laughs> Very well, busy. I, they're I went they're up opening. They're opening on February the 1st, and uh, they will have 12 tables. Here's the other thing that well, <laughs> is crazy. So puny, on tables. Monday through Thursdays, they're going to – you know, they used to be 24-7, obviously. Now yeah. they will be open from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Monday through Thursday. That's it? Yeah, I guess longer on the weekends, but uh, in those days, it's going to be a 10-hour day. Wow. That's it. It's crazy. Wow. And they also had walk and crawl before they walk again, I guess. Exactly. They also had a bad beat jackpot when they closed that was pretty uh, extensive. And a lot of players have been complaining, wondering what they're going to do with the money, which they say they they will definitely have some promotions when they reopen to get that back to people, which is probably one of the reasons the gaming commission, you said, you know, you got to get back open and and distribute that money. So, I don't yeah, know. I mean, they got it. I mean, the players were prom. I mean, that's a that's a like a contract. I mean, yeah, pretty you know, much. You're taking the money out of every pot. It has to be paid off. Maybe they'll close as soon as someone hits the jackpot. Who knows? It sounds like they're not thrilled about doing this. Yeah, apparently not. But, uh, you know, yeah, we were playing Knicks there. We were actually I was actually like I said, the uh, you know, they had some actual a couple of dealers even from South Florida went to work there. And uh, it was really a good poker room. It was uh, it was open space, you know. It was uh, very roomy. It was upstairs. It, it was really good. I, I it was you know you like room. You like a big ceiling. You know what I mean. You you like to feel uh, right, you're in an exactly. open space. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, well, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, the other problem obviously is. Uh, 
people went elsewhere to, for other jobs and they're having a hard time staffing the place. So, uh, you know, that's going to limit their operations as well. But I know the only other one in Massachusetts that reopened was the MGM in Springfield, which is about 90 miles west of uh, that location. And they came back in October. And uh, so it'll be the second place. But but there's another story. I mentioned the Guitar Hotel and what happened to the Hard Rock. You know, they put so much money in that place and it was such a monumental mm. success for a while. And then COVID just destroyed it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. They they have a big bank book. That's the only reason they were able to survive. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it destroyed a lot of businesses and a lot of places. But uh, thank God, uh, you know, everyone's rebounding. Well, not everyone, but a lot of people rebounding and businesses. And, you know, they certainly uh, making up for lost time now. I mean, look, look at the turnout that you talked about. Yeah, absolutely. That's just incredible. Well, I mean, people can't even get into some tournaments. There's so many people from what yeah, I've absolutely. heard. I mean, absolutely. you know, you, you're like alternate number 450, you know, <laughs> in some of the smaller oh events. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, let's yeah, take a break here on the show. There are things you, we can do, and uh, Corey's involved with a project that uh, is addressing some of those problems. So I want to talk about that when we come back. Uh, Corey Seidman, my guest today on uh, Poker Action Line. We appreciate him uh, spending the hour with us. This is one of those shows I always say it when you're on. We could do four hours with no problem if we, if we could. Yeah, you and I would do like a marathon for sure. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But we'll take a break here. We'll be back with more of the show. Stick with us. Uh, Corey Seidman returns with me here on Poker Action Line today. We'll be back after these messages. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. And their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. It may be hard to believe, but people just like you are already saving money. FeedThePig.org makes it easy. Their simple savings plan teaches you how to start saving without going overboard. So you don't need to mooch off your friends. You gonna finish that grape? You mean the one in my mouth? You don't need to stop buying the necessities. What you're smelling is a natural musk. Ew. You don't need to be a medical test subject. How do you feel? Mostly okay. I... <laughs> Sometimes, though. <laughs> you don't need to get a second job as a stuntman. We need a new stuntman. Let's break for lunch. You just need an internet connection. Don't get left behind. Start your personal savings plan with the tips and tools on feedthepig.org. That way, you don't need to sell your soul to the devil. Fifteen bucks is the best I can do. All right, deal. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the show. Big Dave Lemon along with my special guest, Corey Zeitman, here on Poker Action Line. And uh, 
I did want to not to be remiss in uh, leaving out the uh, final results of that rock and roll main event, uh, but uh, I went in here and described all the big name players that I ran into and and uh, were at that tournament. As it turned out, uh, really six unknowns made the final table. Gedeminas uh, Uselis was the winner, winning seven hundred seventy-eight thousand. Uh, Jacob Farrow finished second, uh, five seventy-three. Harut. Gazarian uh, finished third, 380,000. So a bunch of guys, I think uh, several of them from Europe, uh, but, uh, or, or elsewhere in the world. And uh, it did draw a lot of international players. The funny, the final hand was maybe one of those uh, all-time coolers, not all-time coolers, but certainly up there. Uh, Farrell raised from the button with pocket jacks. Usalis three bet him to 3.3 million with pocket queens. Pharaoh shoved for his final 17 and a half million and Usalis made the quick call. Uh, then to make it more exciting, the board on the flop was King Queen Jack. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. What card was in the window? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, could you imagine the Jack's in the window, then bang, the Queen. You know? Yeah, yeah. He, I, I'm not sure which one came first, but uh, probably the king. And anyway, uh, can you imagine if he, <laughs> yeah. the guy probably only saw the jack and his eyes lit up and then he saw the queen? But uh, oh. a couple of blanks oh, on the uh, turning river. Yeah, it is cruel for sure. But that was the well, uh, finish of that tournament. Well, Dave, ahead. I think you should win a bracelet for just pronouncing their names correctly. <laughs> I mean, that one. <laughs> Who knows if I got them correctly? Uh, the next guy. I did. I couldn't even say, so I left him out in fourth place finish. <laughs> <laughs> abort! 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 Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, the other yeah. thing I thought you would find very interesting before we get into the story of your project is okay. uh, I know that you are a huge Yankee fan, as is yeah. my producer Joe Costello that you talked with earlier. Uh, my other producer yeah, Gio. Joe. And Joe Rodriguez is a huge Yankee fan. These guys talk nothing but Yankees baseball when we were in the studio. Uh, so I, I know that you're a huge Yankee fan. So you're certainly yeah. uh, good company here. I got to pitch in Yankee Stadium once I, during a tryout, actually. It was fun. Any questions, but, uh, Joe, for a fellow Yankee fan? Well, I think this was a big mistake by you, Dave, because now we're Probably. just going to start talking New York Yankees baseball. And I uh, know <laughs> I don't want to do that oh, yeah. to the to the show because I know we got some things. But uh, real quick, let me ask you: What did you think of the retention of Aaron Boone? Is this good move or not a good move? No, no, I'm not a big Aaron Boone guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, he with the one thing we loved about Aaron Boone was where he argued with umpires. But yep. I I don't like the way he shuffled the lineup. I'm not someone that just looks to criticize managers. I'm you know, but. Uh, I don't know. I don't think we found the right fit yet. Do you? No. Well, and that's the thing. I don't like to criticize managers either. It's against my normal uh, character. But in this case, yeah. I just feel like, you know, this is such a high-profile job. It's his first-ever managing job. But we're in We're in for the long yeah. haul, and so I support him. They made the call. The call's made. I support him. But I just, uh, I'm still mm. a little iffy. And, uh, you know, the big free agent acquisitions, like, none. Uh, you know, Gary Sanchez yeah. resigned. Uh, you know, I'm. Oh. There's still right. Oh. So the two things I mentioned, yeah, you. Rough. Yeah. Well, sorry guys, I got to nip this in the bud. That was a mistake. You're right. Nah, no, no. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, there was one other base. There was other one other baseball slash poker note that I did want to bring up. Uh, the Oakland A's have made an offer to buy the Tropicana in Las Vegas and want to put a new stadium there. Wow. What do you think of that? The Trop? Hello? Yeah. Yeah. What, sorry, what do you think of that? Up, what do you think of that, Corey? Uh, Wait, can you, can you say that again? It kind of cut off. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, the Oakland A's have, have, have made an offer, apparently, to buy the Tropicana in Las Vegas, which is, uh, you know, obviously right down on the strip there uh, by right, Tropicana right. Boulevard, or Avenue and Las Vegas Boulevard. And they want to build this 35, uh, there's a 35-acre plot of land that they're buying uh, that Bally's owned. And uh, they haven't confirmed anything, but they want they want to buy it uh, and put a stadium there. No, that's that's right across from the Luxor. I've been hearing these rumors for a couple of years, actually. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. But I guess it's it's getting serious now. Yeah, I mean, look, I think I think teams in Vegas is great. I really do. I mean, look how they're supporting uh, the hockey and the football. I think it's cool. Yeah. 
Well, they it said they, they did did ask about the Caesar's own land, which I guess was the, maybe the Rio and uh, the Wynn Golf Course, but uh, it's, they've they've left that behind now, and now they're looking at this Tropicana property. But that would be neat. I mean, obviously. Yeah, uh, you remember what happened when the uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights uh, came into uh, to play, and the big mm-hmm. response from poker players. I mean, baseball would be just as huge. I'm a baseball guy. I love baseball, and I think that would be great for baseball. I mean, the Oakland A's is a real small market. Uh, horrible stadium. Be kind of team. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 not good. Dave. Yeah. Can I get yeah. in on this real quick? Sure. Uh, just having been there, I know Corey was as well. Corey, I was out there right around the same time as you, but I was there for the big NHRA drag race out at the racetrack. But um, oh, cool. I stayed at the Luxor, and so the, the property you're talking about is kind of right across the street there. The Trop uh-huh. is a little further up. Uh, if you're talking about like getting rid of a casino or just like on the same property, like I would be shocked if they imploded the Tropicana and built a stadium. But... That's kind of where the shooting happened. I hate to use it as a landmark, but that's kind of like yeah, the, that yeah, area right. where the whole thing would be. That would be amazing for a baseball stadium yeah. because of the nightly access. Instead yeah. of this weekend thing, like, hey, let's go check out a game tonight. There, there, there will be an action so often. I think that would be really good for that end of the strip. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I, I agree. And it would be good to make that hopefully a distant memory. You know, that tragedy over there. I mean, maybe this would, I mean, it'll never go away, obviously, what took place. But, yeah, I mean, I'm all for it. I had heard the rumors about it being on the real property because, I mean, look, at that's that's secluded over there. And they have all that property over there, and that is owned by, you know, the Caesars people. Well, they actually obviously. they actually have sold it now, and that's why that talk ended because they sold to a company called Dreamscape. Oh, is that? Ah. Whatever that is. Ah. I don't know what that yeah. is, but. Anyway, let's know. get let's get to uh, what you're working on now. I know you've been putting a tremendous amount of time into this. Yeah. And uh, we talked about uh, the COVID situation and and things that people need to do now. Uh, like I mentioned uh, earlier, I think I mentioned earlier, it has to do with uh, uh, air purifier, air freshener, and surface uh, sterilization. It's called Zmonics. And people can check it out. Uh, website is just simply uh, zmonix.com after we talk right. about this. But uh, you are involved with it with, I guess, some friends or family. And and uh, yeah. you, are, guys, are, you, you thought, obviously, the first thing you thought about was, you know who needs this? A poker room needs this. Yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, look, that's why I spoke with Jack Alfred and whatnot about this. Let me simply explain to you, you know, what this is about. Zmonix, what we do. My brother's been a successful surgeon in Manhattan for over three decades, actually. And he also taught virology at Columbia University for over 20 years uh, and started a company about six, seven years ago, well before COVID, of course, having to do with viruses. Okay, he's an expert on it. He's a biologist, et cetera. And what we do is we distribute and install air and surface sterilization systems. Now, let me explain it, what that means. NASA, we all know who NASA is, the space station, NASA and whatnot. NASA developed technology for the space station decades ago to sterilize the air and surfaces of the space station. They obviously don't go into the space station, you know, like Hazel with Clorox and, you know, clean the countertops <laughs> and whatnot, you know. They sterilize the services now with these systems and devices. Because you never know what you're going to run into in space. Yeah, yeah, right? You never know. Although these days now there's UFOs, so maybe (laughs) we'll know more about that eventually. Maybe those guys will be in the uh, World Series. You'll have Europeans and now Martians. Yeah, very Uh, good. good. But uh, no, seriously, now these devices, you're going to be hearing more and more about this every day. Major corporations have these sterilization systems on their properties. And yes, poker rooms and whatnot. What these devices do, they actively destroy all viruses, not some, not partially. All viruses, COVID destroys it in the premises, in the facilities, bacteria, allergens, uh, fungus mold, etc., And uh, it makes these facilities safe. This, we're talking about not question marks here. We're talking about technology that's been around for decades, that's proven effective. 
we're talking about 99.73% tested, okay, real. NASA doesn't screw around. But this technology, since COVID happened, has become essential, has become needed. It's become necessary, in fact. Uh, we just recently put in the biggest sports bar in South Florida called Stout uh, in Oakland Park. We, we, we are, we're putting it into senior facilities. Obviously, seniors are very susceptible to the virus. Uh, it's, it's going into daycare facilities. It's going into medical offices. It's already in hosp many hospitals. Many We've installed it into skyscrapers, iconic buildings in New York City. Okay, this isn't something that is out of the blue, and this is real. And how things happen in society in this country is everybody waits to see what everybody else does. I'm in active talks with uh, the Kennel Club, actually, in Palm Beach about them putting in their facility. Okay. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking, I mean, most of you remember when Chipotle had their problem with E. coli a handful of years ago. Uh, they had to shut down. Chipotle's. Uh, this is how they cured that problem. You don't hear about them having that problem anymore. They have it in all their facilities. And uh, there's different types of systems. Some are just a simple plug-in device, which is a 14-inch cube, which you would plug into your home, let's say. And understand, it's not a filter. It's an active system where 24-7, all you do is plug it in, doesn't make noise, it sterilizes all the air and surfaces nonstop 24-7. If someone walks into your home that has COVID, they can't spread it to you. They instantly, the air is sterile immediately. And it's phenomenal technology. You're going to hear more and more about it every single day. I've spoken to officials in South Florida. We're actively talking about getting it to possibly a boys and girls clubs, things of that nature. But it's something that's needed. And unfortunately, it seems like uh, these viruses aren't going to go away. We might be dealing with them in the future to come. And yes, I'm, I'm an officer of the company and I've been nonstop busy. We're busier every day. It is Zamonix, Z-M-O-N-I-X.com. And they could call and inquire. And some of the doctors or, or the biologists are happy to explain the systems to them. And uh it's something that's going to become a necessity in society. Yeah, if, if you go to Palm Beach Airport, you'll see they have it there. You had West some Palm huge uh, testimonials from uh, big companies, I know. Yeah. Uh, I guess the people's first reaction would be, uh, you know, th that would take forever to, to set up and, and put on. But it's a very easy setup, and it starts working within 15 minutes. You can, uh, it can be very effective in uh, cleaning your area. Yes, exactly. I appreciate you saying that. What you're saying is correct. Uh, it's easily installed in induct systems for, for uh, bigger facilities. The installation takes minutes. There's no downtime for the business itself. And the expense of these systems are so much less than people would think. The, the, for smaller facilities, uh, like a, a restaurant, they have, like I said, these, all you do is plug in the unit and, and there's no maintenance on these things. It's relatively maintenance free and expense free. Once you have these systems in place right. and, uh, it's, we're doing amazing things. You look, obviously it's a business and a business is, is in business to make money. But the beauty of this is we're doing such great things for these businesses and these communities and they're so thankful to us once they take the step and get these systems in place. Well, what about uh, the costs? I, I think people's first reaction was, oh, well, that sounds fantastic, but we can't afford that. I looked at some of the prices on there of the units, and I don't know how much is involved in installation or anything like that, because there is one you put into your, your AC ventilation system, uh, but very reasonable, the pricing. Yeah, no, that if people actually, people we've talked to at first, they think there's a catch. They're like, well, what is it going to cost me every month? And I tell them no maintenance, no additional cost. Uh, the plug-in unit, for instance, we just put in several plugins in that stout sports bar uh, in, in Oakland Park. Like I said, uh, you just plug it in and the units themselves. And you know what I'll do for you people who are listening on the show 
they could stick in a coat. It goes, the 14 inch plug-in goes for a thousand dollars and no further expenses. Uh, for people who are listening to your show right now, they could punch in where they check out a, a code word, which is the word safe, S-A-F-E, obviously 2021, safe 2021, and they'll get 20% off. So it'll cost them less than $800 to protect their home or office. Wow, a promo good. code, a promo code from from uh, Poker Action Line. Yes, Poker Action Line, absolutely. And <laughs> I mean, they, literally, we're saving lives, and it's incredible what these systems are doing. And uh, yes, for your people, of course, and uh, that's a wholesale price would be under. It's just it's about eight hundred dollars, a little less. The installations are more expensive, but these are for bigger businesses, uh, for five thousand square feet spaces and up. Uh, those are a couple thousand, and they'll get 20% off of those by putting in the same code. I urge them to call. There's, there's a phone numbers and contacts on the website, on Zamonix, and uh, our people are more than happy to discuss it with them. No high-pressure sales, none of that. And once they take the plunge, like you said, the testimonials that are on there, Dave, they are real. And all those people... And you have different walks of life on there. You have different types of businesses. And you told me you told uh, me they're working on a lot of big name companies right now that you don't have a testimonial yeah. for on the site, but that you know six months from now you may have uh, some huge names on there. Yes, we we are. I mean, we're in active talks with major companies. So we just got a call. Uh, the people that we uh, spoke to a couple of years ago, one of the biggest HVAC companies in the world. Uh, major, they are now looking to do this and, and have it installed in all their systems. Uh, so we're we're busier and busier every day. And yes, poker rooms. I mean, it's a natural. And I did speak to Jack Effel about getting it in to the World Series. And there are some casinos that are getting these systems. And I I did speak to them. And look, let's face it, the Rio is closing down for good. They're not going to end up having it. So they weren't going to spend the money at the time, and there was a time factor involved. Although I did explain to Jack how we could get it done, and the installation takes no time at all. I mean, yeah. literally takes minutes. And uh, and we have we have trained licensed installation teams in every state in the country that would be at. You could be in South Dakota. I could have someone there tomorrow with an installation team that's qualified and trained. We're we're set up incredibly well to handle whatever we have to. Well, and, you would, uh, you, would you would love you would love to have uh, people call up and put a 14-inch cube unit in their house. But uh, as yeah. far as the show goes, I just felt like, you know, this is perfect for poker rooms that are always worried about people picking up COVID. Uh, just a personal note: uh, when I was closed at Highlight this summer, I went and worked in the Dania room as a poker brush. I was fully vaccinated with both uh, Pfizer shots. And I still got COVID. I mean, obviously the the symptoms were mm -hmm. very light, but I know I got it from the poker Thank room God. because nobody wore the masks in there, and I felt like it was like a uh, a petri dish for uh, spreading the uh, virus. It is. I mean, people who are vaccinated uh, are getting it, unfortunately, and thank God the symptoms, generally speaking, are so much less. But it's obviously not good to get it. Uh, having these systems in place, it makes masks totally unnecessary yeah. you're going to see on our website very soon from surgeons testimonials people who worked at icus during the pandemic at the epicenter in new york city in major hospitals who use these systems for their personal use this is real and there isn't enough publicity for it quite frankly look we're not the only business that does these installations and distributes these you know these these devices but the reality is that the public needs to know more about it. And they're going to because it's gaining more and more traction every yeah. day and protecting your family, your loved one and yourself. This is no joke. Yeah. And people really need to look into this. Well, amazingly, we are out of time. Uh, the t where does the time go when when you and I start talking? Yeah, always uh, me and together? you. <laughs> hey, when we talk about being on the show, we never stop talking. So yeah, we're certainly on the show. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, you said uh, there was a couple of people you might help me line up as guests. That would be uh, certainly appreciated. And uh, yes, we'll have to again do one sure. of those shows on some of the mixed game uh, strategies. And uh, when Joe comes back, he's better to uh, have some of the questions for you. But we will do that again before too long. We appreciate your time again today. Great. 
Love it. Thanks always, Dave. Great talking with you, and I'll talk to you very soon. Zmonix.com, Z-M-O-N-I-X.com. Corey Zeidman, uh, thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. Great, buddy. That's uh, an interesting thing that I think oh, yeah. has a great uh, poker tie-in. So uh, we finish up here with uh, another edition of the show, and hopefully we'll be back about the same time next week and uh, get another show to you. Certainly a lot of things going on. Uh, Seminole Hard Rock has a tournament right after Christmas called the Fun in the Sun, and they're already starting to promote their Lucky Hearts Open, which will be in January. So stuff happening here. Uh, the World Series of Poker Europe is going on right now. We'll get to more of some of that stuff next week. But we appreciate you being with us today, and we will look forward to having Joe back next week. Joe Costello, thank you for all your hard work as usual, and uh, we will see you soon. Uh, folks, uh, stay with poker. We're hanging in there, and it's surviving and doing well. That's going to do it for us today on Poker Action Line. We'll be back with another show very soon. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies. 